Welcome to Sportin' Live. Introducing your host, Ed Draper. Hello, how are you doing? Welcome back to the podcast Sport and Life. Hope you're well. We're just back from a fantastic break, actually, in the sunshine of Fuerteventura, Canary Islands. If you're not aware of the Canary Islands, just off the coast of Africa, North Africa, and beautiful place, beautiful beach, good buffet, put on a couple of pounds, no doubt, but really nice to get away. Hope you had a good break. If you did, with the children in England over half term, the school break. Um, but yeah, I hope uh, you're all well. Appreciate hitting on the button. Appreciate the sponsors of the podcast too. Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Check out BO underscore Cheltenham on social media, Bang Olufsen Cheltenham website, and also uh, worth contacting them if you're not necessarily enthralled with the wonderful Bang Olufsen equipment, need something bespoke for your home entertainment system, big screen, whatever it might be, because through that sister company, Serene AV, Jason Briggs and his fine team can deck you out with whatever suits your vision, suits your budget, not necessarily BO equipment but bang olives and cheltenham really appreciate their support around the corner from me in the heart of montpellier in cheltenham here in the west of england um, and also appreciate the support of cytoplan food-based supplement company we've been taking their supplements as 20 plus years as a family the drapers under the stewardship of my father dr mark draper who is a general practitioner former anesthetist or anesthesiologist you may call it if you're in the united states but has trained in micronutrition for the last 30 years as well lectured in it and he's very much an advocate of Cytoplan's food-based supplements, particularly the stuff that includes selenium and zinc, the multivitamins, vitamins. And he's a big uh, big fan of selenium or selenium, some people call it, in terms of uh, relative depletion in the UK soil in particular and the need for supplementation. And he's helped concoct some of the ingredients and has uh, worked for, for Cytoplan at different times as lecturer, seminar leader. But we do pay for the, the the supplements always stress that believe in them and we uh, have a discount that we can share with you as well on the on the uh, podcast so if you go to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk at checkout you can enter the discount code for 30 percent off upfront 10 percent on future purchases and that code is draper10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters, the numerals 1, 10, and the capital letter R. So 1, 0, sorry. So it's Draper 1, 0, and the capital letter R. All the letters are capital, Draper 10, R. Anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoy this one. This is a friend of mine, David Fulton. Dave Fulton, who is a broadcaster at Sky Sports, other places now, event host, but was a professional cricket for a long time, I think 15 years, something like that. He'll talk about it on the podcast. Was captain of his county, Kent. And we talk about, in particular, the psychology of being a batter out in the middle. One of those curious uh, examples of sport where role in the game deciding uh, the event may well be 
something that lasts days. If you're out in the middle for a long time, you, you don't get out, but it could be over in a matter of a few seconds and you're going back to the changing room, the pavilion. So it's very interesting to hear to Dave Volt's account of this. Good man and a wonderful insight. I really appreciate his time. Here he is, the one and only David Fulton. Dave Fulton, brilliant to see you. Welcome to my humble podcast. You're all track suited up. It's an audio only podcast, but you're looking you're looking the part today, which is good. Yeah, thanks. Great to be on it, Ed. Um, yeah, hopefully it'll be fun. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting because you've been studying psychology, haven't you? And I think cricket's a fascinating sport in terms of the challenges of it and how maybe it can inform other aspects of our life and pressure situations, particularly as a batsman as you were predominantly. I know it said you did, you did a bit of slow arm left bowling was it I think your profile says on Wikipedia I'm not sure how accurate that is but predominantly a, a batsman but that's a job which could last days in theory if you get it right or you could be over in a second can't it when you go out to the, the middle to to face to face some balls how do you, you reflect on some of the, the psychology of that how it's it's helped you in in other walks well I, I think I think there's obviously a lot of a lot of pressure as you mentioned and, and you go you do as a batsman have that kind of unique situation where one slip up and you're kind of gone I guess maybe as a boxer there's something similar in that you know you make a mistake someone could put your lights out but you know if you play mm. a bad pass at football or you know you miss a tackle at rugby you generally get the chance to redeem yourself whereas as a batsman you know many a time you first ball of the day I'm back in the shed and I'm thinking well that's 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 my day gone <laughs> and, but you know I, I certainly wasn't a bowler one wicket as a professional in 15 years is not much to write home about as a, as a bowler a good, so, a good one though <laughs> yeah, well, good. All, all my eggs were very much in that batting basket, and, and with that comes a certain amount of pressure. And we, we've seen, um, you know, a few players struggle with that o- over the years, quite openly. Um, and I was fairly philosophical about it. I was a believer that actually, if you if you put the work in, um, you weren't always going to guarantee success then and there, but generally you got what you deserved. And, and mm. for the first kind of three quarters of my career. Um, I probably got what I deserved, which wasn't good enough. You know, I was mediocre, I underachieved, and it finally clicked for me, you know, nearer the end of my career when I was kind of 29, 30. Yeah, I looked at that. Your best season was when you were approaching 30. What what happened there? Was that something psychologically you made a, a switch? Because the conventional wisdom with athletics is that you you sort of peak in your 20s, isn't it? Yeah, for, for me, it was a case of um, kind of last chance saloon, really. I was told by Matthew Fleming, who was my captain at the time, that, I'd hung on to my contract by the skin of my teeth and that we needed to see the real Dave Fulton in, in 2001. They were his words. Um, and I kind of thought, OK, he's right. You know, I've, I've toyed with being professional cricketer. I've enjoyed the lifestyle probably a little bit too much. I've, well, I haven't really addressed some of the technical issues or maybe mental issues. Um, so I, I need to kind of get a bit of a grip of it. And what I actually did was I, I changed my technique a little bit ironed out some of those flaws I went back to actually the, the, the technique that I had kind of as a teenager really something that that was very natural to me I tried to be more natural I, I've become a bit robotic over the years but mentally I just tried to fall in love with the game again tried to reconnect with my 11 year old self and actually remember what it was like to go and play on a Saturday yeah uh, and just enjoy the game you know because when you're a professional when you your kind of livelihood depends on how many runs you get or don't get you can get a bit consumed with the, the kind of outcome and, and not enjoy the actual process of being out there mm. under blue skies hitting the ball around a field for a living which when you say it sounds great but at the time <laughs> when you're in it and you're not doing very well um it, it can it can be 
all you're in that bubble becomes all you think about becomes all consuming and it can kind of get you down so I, I, I tried to fall in love with the game again go and enjoy it and my rationale really was if I get sacked at the end of this year what's the worst that can happen I'll go and do something else mm. um, so if I'm gonna go out let me go out on my terms play as I want to play and try and enjoy it and lo and behold, I had my best season, you know, by, a, I think I still hold a record for someone that played every championship game in, in two consecutive years. I averaged 25 in one year and 75 in the next, which I believe is a record, mainly because I was so bad the year before. You nearly got an Ashes, well, I've read pieces that said you nearly got an Ashes call-up, is that right? Well, I did, get, a, I did yeah. get an Ashes call-up for about an hour. And then the selectors. So I was going to play the Headingley Test of 2001. Yeah. Um, Mark Butcher was going to be dropped. Mm. And the selectors decided rather than to drop Butch, they read the riot act to him and said that he'd been dropped, but that he's back in and this is his last chance. So he was in last chance saloon and he went and got 173 not out, played brilliantly, all credit to him. Um, and that, that was kind of. Well, it wasn't the end of my Ashes dream, but and obviously I didn't know that at the time. That came out a few years later, but mm. I was very, I was very close. But, that, but that's amazing, actually, when you think when you think in the sense that for him and for you, the sort of looming general spectre of anxiety over performance was detrimental. But actually, if someone fronted up to you and said, "No, this is it. You've got to perform," you did perform. Is that? It's sort of. Do you think there's something about that, like being clear with people, helps in that situation if you're a coach? Or, I think. I think you know? so. I think so, and I think you can become unshackled to a certain degree. I remember watching that interview that Butch did actually on the eve of that knock. And thinking this guy's going to get runs tomorrow because he was he was talking about how this England were getting smashed in that Ashes series, um, Australia um, had declared it looked like they would just bowl England out and it would be a formality for them. But Butch um, was pretty resolute in the things he was saying before that game. And I remember a, a county example when I'd been performing pretty poorly, and suddenly the night before a run chase against Corky and Derbyshire, I just decided that I was going to knock off the runs. I just had this kind of belief that came from mm. nowhere that I was actually going to win the game for Kent. Mm. And it was, I woke up the mo that morning, I had breakfast, I went to the ground, I knew I was going to win the game. Yeah. And I think I got 60 odd not out and won the game. And I'm thinking, why doesn't that happen more often? Why can't I get myself in that, whatever yeah. it is, zone, that mind space, that whatever, that, 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 you know, we search for that as professional sports people, and it happened all too, all too infrequently for for me. But yeah, Butch played you know particularly well in that. And I, I I did something. Um, I sat next to Alistair Cook at a cricket uh, dinner a few months ago, and he said that his uh, Pakistan. Remember, he got a hundred against Pakistan at the Oval, I think mm. twenty ten, um, and he was going to be dropped. And he said to the psychologist of the England team, "You know, I'm playing my last Test match tomorrow." He wow. generally believed it was his last test. He'd had a rotten run of form. He'd tweaked things with the technique. It hadn't worked. And he was said, he was he captain yet or not? He wasn't captain. Wasn't, wasn't captain. That would have been with Straussy. He wasn't yeah. captain. But he said, this is going to be my last test. It was before his Ashes heroics in yes. 2010. Yeah. Um, so he, he was, he knew he was going to be dropped unless he got a big score. But rather than that heat pressure on him, he, he said, I just decided I wasn't going to get out defending. Mm. <laughs> you know, again, slightly unshackled, writing on the wall, you know, might as well just go and play, go and go and just go and be free. Mm. And that, the likes of Alistair Cook or myself, it was quite a stoic opening batsman. You know, it didn't mean run down the wicket to the first ball and try and slog it <laughs> over the wicket. It, it just kind of somehow lifted the pressure off to go, watch your ball, play the ball. Don't be too consumed with all this other stuff that goes on.
Yeah, that's amazing, isn't it? And I suppose you said going back to that 11-year-old self who enjoyed the game. What did attract you to cricket in the first place? Was it that individualism, the, pre the pressure of, of being a batter versus a team game like football? Or did you play a lot of football, rugby? How, how, what was, I what played was a lot of football at primary school, at secondary school. It was, it was a rugby school, a grammar school that I went to. Didn't play any football and then reconnected with football at university. Love all sports, played a decent level of tennis, table tennis, played England chess, actually. Wow. Um, so I did kind of all sports and sport was the thing that really kind of got the juices flowing and cricket I guess cricket was on telly and kind of everywhere in the summer mm. I lived in a, I lived in a cul-de-sac where all the kids you know in the days it was long before social media Ed, you and I that, both that's like the 1950s the way you're paid to get but I think it's that yeah no, we just lived in a cul-de-sac where summer holidays would be spent you know with a big kind of iron dustbin yeah with one of those rubber lids on as a, as a wicket and tennis balls and bats and we'd be out there for seven eight hours you know there'd be 25 kids and if you wanted to keep batting you couldn't get out so you you know and it was great fun and we get called in for lunch and there'd be a lunch break and then all the kids would be back out so, yeah. so we just we just we just play a lot and well, you're, ten, you're 10 years older than me it's interesting the changes because even when, when i was a kid there was there's the game boys and the the mega drives and things like that that were probably the strange people but it yeah. Was, yeah, none of that nonsense. No, none of that. I, I don't <laughs> My dad built my dad because I was a king tennis player as well. He built a wall in the garden with a lot of some tall conifer trees, and he put this kind of plywood wall up with a white line going across at the height of a tennis net. He was mm. a, he was a decent tennis player, um, and I would just hit tennis balls um, at that all day, and it drove the neighbours insane because it made this horrendous thud. And then I used to use that as a, as a cricket wall as well, because I'm left arm, even though my bowling, as we've already established, not much mm. to write home about. I would hold the ball in my left arm, the bat in my right hand. <laughs> I would run in and bowl. And as I followed through, I'd catch hold of the bat. And then as it rebounded, I'd play a shot. So I, I'd, I'd spent hours just with myself, with the bat and the ball and the wall. Didn't have many mates. Still don't have many mates. <laughs> <laughs> but... but but it does, you know, it's yeah. it's a natural way of of learning kind of bat and ball skills. It wasn't too coached, had a mm. decent technique, but a lot of that was just picking it up off the telly and, and yeah. away you go. Tennis clubs have walls, don't they, as well, to hit balls against, which is quite can be quite a good yeah. thing to, to practice. Yeah. And, and tennis is actually, I spoke to Rob Key a lot about this. Yeah, he was a decent tennis player when he was younger. And actually that kind of hand-eye coordination, and I went all around as a, as a as a primary school child playing table tennis all over the country, played against Matthew Syed, played at national tournaments. Oh, wow. um, and that hand-eye coordination um, from tennis, I think especially table tennis, because the speed of the ball comes, is mm. all part of that, um, <clears throat> you know, the, the kind of motor skills that then translate into other sports. So I think you find most people who bat in particular um, are generally pretty good when it comes to either hockey or tennis or table tennis. It's just it's that kind of knack, really. They're tough sports psychologically, like you say, because you have thinking time, don't you? And I think, yeah. particularly, I mean, golf, I've never really got into golf, but I think I should do as a psychological challenge because I think that sense of having five minutes between shots or whatever it is to think about your last shot is probably a good challenge. Whereas sports like football, particularly if you play five-a-side football now, you can just throw yourself into it for an hour and you're completely lost and there's there's no time to dwell on any any mistakes, really. You maybe think about it a little bit later, but it's a different, it's a different psychology, isn't it? But you clearly embraced that as a kid with those type of sports you were playing. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I played a decent level of, of football and rugby and those sports, you're right, they're fluid they're depending on, you know, patterns of play. You play to some extent what's in front of you, you play very instinctively. Mm. Um, and, and that's great. You know, and I still 
even at the age of 50, will go out on a Monday night and play five-a-side football. And I absolutely love it. And it is, a, is an element of one is a, is a good blowout. It's, you know, it's hard yeah. work. And two, it's a, it's a form of escapism because you don't have to engage the brain. You just go and play and, and you still find a drive to compete. But it's, you know, it's old blokes kicking a football around. It's, it's, it's social. Um, but you're right. The, the golf analogy is actually the closest thing to cricket when, it, when you mm. talk about the stop-start nature of it. Yeah. And obviously... And I play poor golf. I mean, golf is the one sport that I think I'm still involved with when my best days are still ahead of me. I genuinely believe that, Ed. I have to believe that because... It's not, because it's not moving the ball. Is that why it's different? It's well, it's, dif it's, it's difficult. Yeah, I mean, if someone threw a golf ball at me, I reckon I might be able to hit it better with a seven iron than I do when it's just staring at me on a <laughs> tee and I've got the, got the, mm. the drive there. But there is that... You walk to, yeah, you are totally in control of that. And that's slightly different from batting because obviously the bowler is to some extent the yeah. other part of the Great equation. Ball, yeah. yeah, so someone can bowl a, an unbelievable delivery. And actually when you bat, and I coach a lot of young players, I always talk about, you know, kind of being ready to pounce. You know, you have to wait to see what's delivered before you can then execute your part of the deal. You know, if you get ahead of yourself and you premeditate and you, this next one's going over there, that's often as a batsman when you come unstuck. The difference with golf is obviously that you are in control. Yes, there might be some variables like weather or where the flag's tucked behind a bunker or whatever, but the actual execution of the shot is nobody else's but yours. And that places kind of a unique pressure, I think, on on a golfer because it's just you and that little ball and your club and, and away you go. Uh, but the stop-start nature, you know, when you walk to your ball to play your next shot of golf, you wait for the bowler to walk back. So you have that thinking time. So I totally take your point. You know, you have thinking time in cricket, thinking time in golf that you might not have um, on a football pitch or a rugby pitch where those decisions are kind of instant and, and instant. How, how do you manage the psychological drain of of that particularly concentration we think about people like lacking you know we want more focus in life and people say you've got four good hours a day in you but in cricket you know some of these great knocks like brian lara they're out there for for days aren't they how did, what is the key there is it switching off between balls is it sort of relaxing mentally and then just focusing for the the, the bowler's approach yeah, shifting through gears of, of concentration. And, and Lara's a good example because he's someone who batted for long periods, but he also got lots of runs in those periods. Yeah. Um, I used to bat long periods and often not get as many runs. I'd bat for, for similar amounts of time for far fewer runs because he was more talented and, and more fluent. And actually, a quite a funny story with Brian Lara. The day he got his 501, mm. I was getting Norton 1. <laughs> in the same on the same day. So really? out twice in a day for Norton 1 when Brian Lara had got 501. And I remember being so I think that, you, a fan. Well, no, I think I, I was quite clear. I think that's still a record as well. I think someone that that plays on the same day in first class cricket who's got five hundred runs fewer and has had twice as many innings, that's that's got to be a record as well. So I'm clinging on I'm clinging on to that one. But yeah, you have to um you have to switch on, switch off. And you talk about gears of concentration, you know. So if you if you're in first gear as the bowler's walking back to his mark and he, as he turns, you might be in kind of gear three. Mm. And as he starts running in, you just slide the gears to four and five until you're absolutely for that split second as he he jumps ready to deliver, you are you know switched on on it. And you'll see the Justin Langers, the Joe Roots, those close-ups of those guys just staring the ball down, Steve Smith as well, mm. you know, really staring at the ball for a split second and then you might defend it back down the pitch and then you have to go back down the gears and not switch off completely because then it becomes an effort to get 
back through them again but you do you, you cog it down you relax you take a deep breath i used to go for a little walk just three or four yard walk if it's a seam bowler and he was walking back to his mark you know not be too static you know keep things moving um you know just might even look at my partner at the other end which is often you know you, you sometimes neglected people think you're on your own as a batsman you've got to make 22 yards away i like to interact with with that person um some used to interact with me better than others ed smith used to be very much in his bubble didn't really want much interaction like to just be him rob key and i would would be chatting away to each other sometimes in 22 yards trying to have a bit of banter at the expense of the rock i can't even imagine rob pausing to bat actually when you think about how he's such no, a good it, yeah i mean he used to yeah we we had good fun we opened the batting for, for a lot of years together so you need to know your person at the other end but essentially when that bowler is running in you're on your own mm. and, and 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 the job of the fielding side we talk about psychology and making the batsman feel uncomfortable um, be it sledging or be it just with a presence in the field is trying to make that batsman feel quite isolated and you feeling as a fielding unit that you are 11 against one and that you are on him like he yeah. is your prey and that's certainly how I used to captain and how I used to field um, and, and that can become kind of quite exhausting it was probably more of a mental focus for me when I was in the field almost wishing the demise of a batsman every single ball um, yeah, and in the, you get, no, I mean, you probably, maybe you didn't at the time, but when I was a kid, whenever I played cricket, you get a nervousness that you haven't done anything for ages and suddenly the ball's going to come your way and, you know, are you going to be cold and, and drop a, an easy dolly ball or whatever? Yeah, well, I used to feel it slip and you could wait all day for a catch and then one would come along, you know, late in the day. And, and sometimes you put it down and you think, you know, what is the, what is the point of me actually having been out here? Yes. <laughs> I'm yeah. still here waiting all day for a catch and then when it's come along, I've, I've put it down and, and that brings its, brings its own pressures. But, you know, again, philosophical approach, you just forget about that. You play the next ball. A bit, a bit like golf, I said, like it's probably good for me to, to learn it, develop it. It's time consuming, though, so it's a hard, maybe a hard sell domestically at the moment to, to say <laughs> I'm going to take up that sport. But in terms of the psychological attributes, do you feel that kids should play more cricket in this country? Because I think I went to a state school, a high school, and there wasn't really, we played a little bit of cricket in the spring term, but then you hit summer, don't you? And it's, you go off, and even for me, loving football, there were football camps you go to, it wasn't a sort of necessary thing that you fell into cricket. Do you feel that? more kids, more adults when they're older would have benefited from playing sports like cricket? Um, I don't think cricket's got a divine right to expect people to play it. It's got to fight for its place in the... Mm. In the marketplace and yeah football's everywhere i mean football dominates you know we, we, for sky sports news you know the amount of coverage that's that's yeah. the percentage of coverage that 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 a channel that dedicates itself to sky sports news mm. not just sky football news but the, the 90 percent of it will probably be i don't know the exact figure but we'll be concentrating on football we've got football shows and you know the money's in football and the participation levels are through the roof in football so cricket does have to compete against that traditionally it was our summer sport but now there are so many sports and so many fine governing bodies with their sports that, that, that are popping up. Kids have got an awful lot of choice. Um, yeah. And cricket knows, and that's why the 100 kind of came into being, because cricket needs to make itself a bit funky, a bit sexy, a bit more fast-paced to attract those younger um, sports people who you know want something exciting and dynamic. And so... Mm. Yes, I think people could benefit from cricket, but cricket doesn't have a divine right to 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 attract those um, those players. It's got it's got to fight for its place in the 
in the whole scheme of things. And I know it's trying to do that. And it's also trying to wrestle with, well, what do we do about Red Bull cricket, which is the traditional form. And, it, and it's quite unique in that way as a game. You know, we, you don't mm-hmm. tennis. Yes, it might have three sets and five sets, but essentially it's the same game. Sure. You know, football's played for 90 minutes. And yeah, you might have an extra time in the FA Cup mm-hmm. and have a penalty shootout, but it's the same game. Yeah. But your 20, your 120, 20 formats are very, very different games to your... Maybe beach, beach football or futsal, but they're not really equivalent. Yeah, maybe. Levels. Slightly yeah. different, yeah. So yeah. that would be that would be one way of looking at it. But that's almost the, the, the futsal or beach football compared to, you know, your, your World Cup final is probably looking at the difference between the 100 and, and test cricket. Mm. Two different sets of skills. Yes, there's the, the basic elements are there, but they're very different. And again, that's pretty unique to cricket. And it makes it more of a complicated sell to people. Yeah, yeah. It's for people listening, cricket the hundred is a hundred ball, so it's very, it's over very quickly. It's very sort of um, crash bang wallop versus a test match, which is the the ultimate level of the game for a lot of people. It's five days potentially it doesn't always get there at the moment in terms of uh, completion, but it's a so different challenge. The psychological challenges of something like the hundred are different, aren't they? Because there's a pressure not only to not get out, but a pressure to impress for those batsmen how do you look at that because you would have played 2020 i was yeah so i was captain in 2003 when 2020 came into being and it was not my strongest form of the game so 2003 i for for those who don't know my background probably not many will i I got an eye injury in 2003 so i got a ball to the eye i'm pretty much blind in one eye and that happened in pre-season 2003 Mm. and that was the year that um 2020 came into being so i didn't get back for probably first couple of months of the season so one of my first games back was a 2020 match it was never my strongest form of the game anyway the shorter forms i was a Mm. more of a football player i came back to captain really i batted seven or eight and thought I could have an impact as captain. We had a lot of all-rounders, so we could probably carry a, just a kind of captain only, batted yeah. not much, and, and then left myself out of the 2020 in 2004 and, and, and kind of moving forward. So I did see it at that time. We didn't know it was going to be the kind of phenomenon that it has Not become. that long ago. It's amazing to think, isn't it, given that the 100 now has come on the scene at 2020 yeah. is like format. Yeah, but I think... Less than 20 years we, old. Yeah, absolutely. But I think what we've seen is it's the way... We, I think it's just over a year, actually. Hang on, mate. There's somebody else playing here. Let me just uh, <laughs> let me just uh, delete this. this is, uh... Hang on. There we go. Sure you're here. That's an. That's a. I think that's an interview with um, the UK military's chief survival instructor that that's just oh, flared up somehow on my laptop. So, yeah, my technical <laughs> side of my evidence that we're doing this as we. Yeah, as we <laughs> I was agreeing yeah. with you for a minute. <laughs> no, I didn't know what was happening there. Yes, twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty is has been great for cricket, um, but you're right. There is a pressure that comes with it because every time a player goes out, especially if it's a televised game, as a lot of them are these days. There is that opportunity to showcase what you're about and a mm. good performance. It happened in the early days of 2020 with a fellow called Graham Napier, who you probably remember, smashed yeah. 150 and hit about 16 sixes live on Sky. Mm. And the next year is being picked up to play in the IPL for a pretty penny. Wow. You know, and we've seen Timal Mills go for over a million pounds mm. and the Petersons, the Flintoffs, and, and who quite so it, it, whenever you play one of those short form games, you know, it, it could be a couple of kind of freakish innings and it can propel you to other stuff. And I think players these days do think in those terms, albeit, you know, you've still got to watch the ball and play the next ball as well as you can, but the bigger picture is is quite exciting. Test cricket is very different and it will test your courage. You know, sometimes a bloke's bowling 90 miles an hour trying to take your head off. Mm. It's a very different form of pressure um, and a very different kind of test of your mettle. 
Yeah, the risk reward is different, isn't it? Because presumably you have to take higher risk in 2020 each ball in terms of your... So that's why it must be hard for people to flip between the formats because... It's really hard. Ball, <laughs> you're looking at a reflex, aren't you? But if your reflex is to leave it in test cricket, your yeah. reflex is then to try and smack it in, in a shorter format. Yeah, you've got a split second. I don't know that, you know, Pat Cummins is bowling at 92 miles an hour where you've got, you know, a, a split second to make that decision. And if you think about the recent Ashes debacle, and we'll call it a debacle, there were, <clears throat> there were lots of reasons for it. You can talk COVID bubbles and everything else, but, but what seems to have been lost on some was that some of those England players came straight from the World 2020. Mm. So they'd be practicing and ingraining those motor skills, see ball, hit ball, see ball, yeah. hit ball, see ball, hit ball. And then we nick off in an Ashes game and all the all the pundits are going, well, that's a ball we should be leaving. Yeah. But for the last six weeks, everything they've done, see ball, they wouldn't have left a ball yeah. in six weeks. And you've got a split second to instinctively play a shot. Well, is that instinct suddenly going to be to leave it when you've been practicing for six? You know, they had no warm up games to practice leaving the ball. They would have had a few nets. Very difficult you know, to suddenly go and attune yourself to a completely different form of cricket. And if you think about the dynamics of 2020, um, every dot ball is a victory for the bowling side. Generally in, in test cricket, a, a dot ball is usually a victory for the batting side. Because actually... You play time, time, time as well. Yeah, as you're playing time side. cricket, so the bowler's getting tired, you're not getting especially tired as a batsman, you're just standing there waving your bat around. So the, 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 the dynamics and the pressures are very, very different. Mm. Do you think it will ultimately morph into different games then? Is that where you see cricket going? Sorry, say that again? Do you think cricket will evolve into different games whereby you are a, a test player, you are a 2020 Yeah, I, I think inevitably, and I think we're seeing that as we talk, you know, the, the different debates about split coaches and different teams. You know, we've seen over the years the very best players, your Virat Kohli's, your Steve Smith's, can kind of, your Joe Roots can do both. But mm. more and more, we're seeing a, a kind of white ball, crash bang, wallet, all action type of cricketer. And we're seeing a red ball, highly skilled, very courageous. You know, it's a different skill set and it's very difficult to merge the two. Well, you'll, you'll know, working alongside me and the viewers who've watched Sky Sports News will know I'm not an aficionado of cricket in terms of technical terminology. But I do think, I wonder for, for participants, participants, but also spectators, the anxiety in the, in the modern world about people's inability apparently to, to now focus, which is strange. I think we're still homo sapiens with the same capacities that, that people were thousands of years ago. But people say, oh, you know, kids aren't watching a full football game, let alone a full cricket match. They can't watch 90 minutes. They need to watch highlights on their phone. And But I just think sometimes the difference, the antidote to modern life is sometimes to be appreciated. Like actually, if you walk past a village green game, going getting a pint and sitting there and not really caring about the result but it's a nice day people are out it's a community aspect to it there's a sort of you know there's the sound of the leather on willow or whatever the cliche is and and similarly when i go down to the local Cheltenham town club standards not always been fantastic in league two or whatever it is but actually it's the atmosphere it's the smells it's the people it's the kind of community sense that i think we sort of lose do you think people will lose from you know in a set, there is something nice about stepping into a cricket match and letting the hurly burly world sort of go, go about itself while you're there. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Ed, but, you know, I, I know the way you're wired, I think, and, and, and mm. me similarly. And we're also men of a certain age, albeit yeah. I am 10 years older than you. And, and I think that, yes, that does appeal. I'm not sure if you asked a teenager who likes the, the hurly-burly and is kind of consumed with um, computer games and social media and everything, whether if they stepped into the world of kind of sleepy, idyllic village cricket or something, they'd necessarily 
see it the, the same way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm keen for my kids to, to, to get off that, to experience and um, that kind of pace of life, because I, I think it, it, it does have a kind of almost a healing quality to it at times. So, yeah. Mm, get ideas as well, don't you? That if you sit in a cricket game and you're sort of, you know, relaxed and you're not staring at your phone or a computer game or whatever it is there's an aspect to that i wonder how baseball's dealing with it in the states because i know it's they'd argue a, a faster paced game a higher scoring game than cricket in a sense it's a very different scoring game of course but that maybe they're i don't know if there's a sort of kind of shortened version of baseball they're working on but that's that from what yeah. i've been in the states and been to a baseball game it's a similar kind of feeling people aren't too worried about seeing every pitch they'll go and get a beer and a hot dog or whatever in between it's a, it's a sort of different experience it is. It's interesting what you say about the um, the, the, the capacity to think as well, which mm. I, I read somewhere there was a study on social media or it might have just been an observation where one of the issues with social media and because we've got everything at our fingertips or the tip of our thumb is that it doesn't allow kids in particular, but any of us to, to get especially bored anymore yeah. because there's always information you know and there's all and sometimes it, it's nonsense you know I, I, I find myself doing I'm sure you do where you're kind of just flicking your phone and you're not really you just it, and before you know it 20 minutes has gone by and you're like what have I done with those last 20 minutes I've just yes. been almost wasting them I'm sure everyone has that experience in, in this modern age but very rarely especially with kids um do they get bored I've got two teenage sons and and they will my youngest in particular loves his cricket but he will watch stuff on telly whilst also looking at an iPad sometimes he's got two games on the go at the same time and he's flicking through his social media there's wow. no scope for him to get bored mm. um and actually sometimes when you get bored is when you get your creative best yes. you know I'm not sure whether you know what Ed Sheeran did for example growing up but I, my mm. guess is that you know he would have been alone with his guitar for quite a long time and that's how he got good at guitar or or people who are particularly learned read books and 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 learned stuff that way and came up with great ideas and invented stuff um you know I don't know what Bear Grylls did growing up but you know you, mm. you get you, my point all the while we've just got this constant stream of information and it's at our fingertips the whole time we can't get bored and if we're not bored we very rarely will create things so um you know I'm, I'm really interested in that yeah people write poetry and things like that it's interesting because i'm just come out of a, a recent covid isolation and thankfully was was well but actually one of the things i tried to do was sit and and just in a quiet room leave my phone and actually think about my life because it's a sort of go slow moment as people empathize with the, the first lockdown in 2020 i'm literally you know in the uk restrictions are that you can't leave your house so you're sort of sat around all day and you're supposed to rest as well so that is actually a valuable time. It's not one that is instinctively good for me, but you say with phones, I think even for my generation coming of, of age with smartphones, I think actually you uh, you can spend out, you know, a long time and you have a reflex just to not be bored where actually that boredom is is good for both reflecting on what you're doing in life, where you're going, that kind of thing. And I suppose playing cricket, there's quite a lot of time for that as well when you're sat in the pavilion. Yeah, there is. And, and what happens these days, and I've, uh, you know, been the head coach of Whitstable Cricket Club, my local cricket club, just for a year, getting back into the coaching side of things and really enjoying it. You know, you, you come off and um, or you, you go down to the club. I, I, I'm going back to playing this year, incidentally, but, uh, you know, I would go down very much just kind of watching brief as coach and see the guys. And, you know, sometimes they would come out and then the phones, you know, the, the guys were kind of watching the game, but phones sometimes would be out. Um, and, and, you, and you just think, no don't do that <laughs> you know, yeah. watch, watch the game. get away from all that stuff you know energy as well yeah yeah 
mental energy, isn't it? I think if you're looking at things, yeah, yeah. absolutely. I also think it's not, you know, if you're looking at your phone or you're too absorbed in what's going on, you know, a foot away from your face, then when you actually go out of bat, mm. you know, with it all coming down at you that's being prepared from 22 yards away, I think you know that that kind of shift in focus and everything is certainly not something I would have, well, I would recommend. Yeah, any great great eyesight. As you mentioned, that your eye injury. I know Michael Vaughan in the past has spoken about how your eyes go is the, is the thing that in cricket is a significant aspect of it. And when we were kids, we were told you can't be six feet from the TV, but yet people are six inches from the screen all day long now. So it's a uh, it's funny how that, that can't that can't be quite right. I know it's a slightly different screen, but still, it's uh, it's something that you're staring at. So. My gran would be um, would be very upset with what's happening these days. Um, it's circling back to the psychology of it. What you went through as a, a player. I know you've spoken to me in the past. You don't have to go about the podcast about the pressures of, of becoming a husband and a father when you've got a slightly precarious profession, which I can empathise with as a as a mm. presenter now, as as you can as well, working in this career. What were the lessons you learned from playing cricket that, that have helped you generally in in life? Do you think there's a, a sense of trying to be in the moment of of the importance of yeah. not overthinking? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's always a balance, isn't there, between kind of planning for the future and trying to be as present as you can. Mm. Um, and I think that's what a lot of cricketers or sports people in general struggle with, because if they start, I think they feel that they're almost betraying their profession if they start planning too much for a life after sport. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I certainly felt that there was room to do both. Um, because you've got a lot of hours in the day and actually you can be totally dedicated and then compartmentalise and then go, OK, what am I going to do now? But I was an agent for a while when I first came out of the game and worked with players and started to talk about, you know, well, it's a fairly fragile career. Who knows? You pick up an injury or you have a couple of yeah. seasons of poor form and then you might, should we start thinking, you know, looking at a kind of holistic approach as an agent, what, what else are you going to do if it all came to an end tomorrow? You have the uh, winter. You have, is it a long time in the winter you have to, to potentially study? Well, yes and no. I mean, it, it used to be, so professional cricket contracts used to be six months. Mm. And in the six months, you were kind of free to do what you like. And then counties wanted probably a bit more control over their, their prized assets. And, and why wouldn't you? You know, you wouldn't dream of you know, footballers just going off and doing completely what they wanted. <laughs> and, and, and it's the same with cricket. You know, they didn't want them skiing and busting their knees or, or, or whatever. So they, they wanted more control. Um, so they paid them a bit more. And the contracts went to 12-month contracts. Players still initially had a lot of freedom to do what they wanted in the winters, go overseas and play. Um, but nowadays, I think that the, they play six months. They usually finish in September. They have October off. They usually start their strength and conditioning programs in kind of November, December. They start hitting balls. So it's pretty much all year round. So there's less time to study and prepare for life after cricket, which I think is a shame. And having said that, you know, if a player felt strongly enough and approached the county and said, look, you know, I, I'm studying to become a lawyer or I've done my degree or whatever, or I need to go and work with a commercial bank, for example, in the winter, I can fit my training around it. I'm, I'm sure a lot of counties would be accommodating, but but there's there's less time than, than there was. But but I guess to answer your, your, your question, um, yeah, you, you it is tricky to plan for life after cricket and be kind of totally absorbed and, and, and in the now, which is kind of what you want to be when you're, you're trying to perform at your best. It's difficult, isn't it, when you're a career, and I know this with my wife, that you you feel like you've, you're in a sort of precarious place. It's not so much because it's not the dream of your family either, is it? That's a difficult one, I suppose, for, for, for lower league footballers and for cricket players when you look at comparable salaries because you're not being set up for life. Yeah. So there's, that, there's that sort of family anxiety sometimes. 
Yeah, there is. But I've always worked on the on the theory that, you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not stupid. If it came to an end, I'd find something else to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's only money at the end of the day. And yes, you've got to put a roof over your head. And, you know, as we, I'm a freelance journalist, <laughs> especially during lockdown, there were some pretty bleak mm-hmm. months. You kind of look at it and think, well, so I, I went out and drove a van and I would do, you know, and I would happily do whatever it takes to kind of take care of that side of things. But I'm not so obsessed about my career that if it came to an end, you know, that would be a complete disaster because I believe, um, I guess in myself and that I could, probably go and do something else what that would be not sure you know when I when cricket was coming to an end it was not something that I lost too much sleep over because I thought you know these things happen for a reason I've always been fairly philosophical about that type of stuff and if it ends now fine okay I'll go and do something else that was certainly the the, the kind of rationale behind my good season in 2001 mm. it was uh, okay I'm going to give it a whirl what's the worst that's going to happen I can play poorly, I can do something else. And lo and behold, I, I did well. I became captain of Kent the following year. I had three or four seasons at, at the helm. And then when it when it kind of came to an end, I, I was I was at peace. It was the right decision. You know, Kent sacked me um, and it was 100% the right decision because I was, I was getting worse, but I managed to score 150 in my last game and then yes. ride, off into, ride off into the sunset having done okay in my last game and, you know, retire on a bit of a high. But those highs were fewer and further between so but then you know so I was at peace with that it all ended nicely I played exactly 200 first class games had a nice kind of round number to it um and you know Joe Denley was kind of up and coming and it, and it was a natural fit you know there was no way that I should have been taking the spot of a Joe Denley well anyone who's got you know it makes his professional sports person I think I've got huge admiration for and I think the psychological strength as well as the technical ability to get that level of mastery is 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 fantastic unlike boxing you know boxer had a a great win in their last fight like you had a a knock in your cricket they'd be tempted to come back but cricket's quite good in the sense that other people's opinions determine what happens whereas our egos could could flare up in in those scenarios is anything informed your broadcasting your attitude to broadcasting from cricket do you think that lightness that sort of not not care carelessness but just that freedom is that is that key to that profession as well yeah, I, I think so I, I don't know how you you feel about it but there are some times when I'm kind of talking sport and it, it, there are times when it's it's high pressured you know you, you're going live to the nation as as you know all too well and there might be some breaking news and you're trying to update three or four different sports and of course you want to get it right and you care passionately about doing a good job and getting it right um but i also remind myself pretty much on a daily basis you know it's sport it's not life and death the the world has given us in the last couple of years a a pretty healthy dose of perspective on on what's important and what's not so I, i try and enjoy it and i love what i do and i get a buzz every time i walk through those slidey glass doors at sky and you you know you beat your pun the doors slide that was just that was fantastic the first time that happened i was like this is good and you know you go in there and you see the building you see the people and you're you feel kind of part of something that that's pretty special that's fantastic but we're talking sport. So, you know, if I do, and we've all made mistakes and there's things I've cocked up or names I've mispronounced or, you know, a VT I've forgotten to throw to. And, you know, I'm sure the director's kind of panicking in the background as they try and sort out the mess that I've just created. <laughs> I also kind of like, you know, it's, I'm trying to do my best here. It's sport at the end of the day. So I think cricket has taught me that I've always viewed it, viewed cricket as, um, I was very lucky to have played professional sport. You know, I earned a, a reasonable amount of money, not a, a, not a fortune by any means, but hitting a ball around a field with <laughs> mates that I really enjoyed 
Um, and it's a pretty special way to, to earn a living. And now I'm talking nonsense about sport for a living. You know, that's that's pretty special. I don't take it for granted, um, but I also see it, I think, for what it is. Absolutely. We do a fantastic job on Sky Sports. It must be interesting for you when you cover cricket, and not necessarily for the cricket channel, because there is an esoteric fan who'll watch that, who'll appreciate your kind of storied, studied attitude to it. But on Sky Sports News, is it, it has to be difficult to sort of dumb it down a little bit, simplify it, which is good for all say, sports, isn't it? I yeah, I wouldn't say, sports. I think dumb it down is a, is a wrong expression because, you know, there's some very knowledgeable football fans and other, you know, so it's not a case of, 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 of dumbing it down. But yes, you know, you, you're always aware of who your audience is and you have yeah. to appeal, I guess, to some extent to that common denominator. So you, you don't want to go too crickety or too jargony. Mm. Um, you, you, and, you know, and you want to keep it kind of short and punchy and, and everything else. So that was how I got into to journalism, really. Andy Cairns, who, you know, our, our old boss, you know, my first meeting with him was, and then I got kind of sent to a boundary edge, which is pretty much where I, I lived professionally for six or seven years, just bringing mm. county updates. Mm. And sometimes you, you get 35 seconds an hour. Yeah. You know, and I remember people saying, well, that's all right, isn't it? It's 35 seconds an hour. That's not a bad job. You know, that's all challenge. you've got to do. Yeah. But it's a challenge, you know, to speak for 35 seconds and to try and be in engaging so that they might want to send you there again the next day and try and maybe uh, dig out an interview or come up with something that, that sells the game but also makes it sound kind of interesting on days that weren't always especially interesting, um, you know, was, was, it, was at, times a, at times a challenge, but, you know, also a, a, a great privilege. Well, how would you reflect on, on being a dad? Because, by the way, that, that, that must have been very terrifying during the, the pandemic. And actually, I've just a sort of happen chance that for most of my career, I was self-employed. But during the pandemic, was was employed, thankfully, by Sky. And I think I reflected on that again recently during the, the isolation period as well. If I was freelance, that would have cost me a significant amount of money and towards the, the monthly monthly bills. But when you look at your kids, when you've got your boys, do you think you want them to be professional sports people? Or would you want them to be a, sol a more solid career like a, a lawyer or a teacher or a doctor? Um, it's a funny one, isn't it? I don't know how parents generally think about this. I mean, you first, you want them to be happy and healthy, don't you? I know probably everybody says that, but you want them to be happy and healthy. And I want them to, to kind of find their own way, whatever it is that they want to want to do. You know, my, my youngest is pretty fanatical when it comes to his cricket. He loves it, but he also plays golf. He plays tennis. He plays football. My eldest the same. They play all sports. Um, would they like to be professional sportsmen? Possibly. Are they going to be? Possibly, possibly not. Who knows? Um, it, it's kind of up to them. Uh, you know, I will support them, but I'm, I'm certainly not going to steer them too much. It's got to be them driving it. Mm. You know, they're, 14, they're 14 and 17. You know, they're not, they're not kind of five and seven. So I think you, you've got to be led by them. And I think as a parent, you've always got that challenge, haven't you? How hard to push? Because if you look at the one people who are successful, they've generally got a fairly firm hand at the tiller. If you look at tennis, some of the great... Yeah, like tennis, yeah. Yeah, especially tennis, where you've got to you've got to get out, you've got to hit balls, and sometimes it's slightly tyrannical. Parents have succeeded, mm. but but also, so how hard to push, and how much do you want them to find their own path? Um, you know, they are both. At, you mentioned your um, your school as a as a high school. They're both at the local high school. Um, they are playing. A, they've got a cricket. We're one of the few. I've got it on. You won't be able to see it if you're listening. But yeah, you know, East Kent Cricket Academy, the Canterbury Academy, is yes. a comprehensive school that have, runs a, a cricket program as part of the curriculum. It's one of the few in the country that Good. does that. Yeah, right. One of the hundred top hundred um, cricket schools um, that, that are selected by kind of wisdom. We're going on a trip to Desert Springs in Spain to play against the, the public schools. 
Um, and I'm, I'm very proud of the, the, the school and the fact it offers everything. And it's almost, they just have this great opportunity to kind of pick and decide their own path. Yeah. Um, and I think that's that's important that they they drive it. And I've also taken a view, I think, possibly because of COVID, you know, I they've had a pretty, kids have had a pretty rough time in yeah. the last couple of years. Really? Their school life hasn't been what it should be. I'm talking about all kids, not, not my kids specifically. Sixteen as well, that's a big age, wasn't it? That's sort of you getting out yeah. into the world. You didn't do GCSEs, my, my eldest. Um, it was, you know, it's, it's a funny time of things. So I want them to look back at their school life and have really enjoyed it. Mm. So, you know, there's that balance between pushing them and wanting them to enjoy it. So, you know, how hard do you do you, do you put the foot down? Um, there's always that balance. So, um, yeah, I, I think we I'd like to think we're getting that about right. But, you know, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll find out. Just enjoying your sign on the wall. The family is a circus without a tent, which is people won't see as yeah. an audio recording, but it's probably somewhere. Yeah, that's, right. that's, that's in a nutshell chaos. Yeah. yeah, that balance, though, is just is there as well, as you say, because you don't want to sort of, you know, put them off treading a kind of aspirational path that might be precarious because as you say if you've got the ingredients if things go wrong you should trust yourself to to kind of resurrect them and, and do whatever you need to do in that situation rather than worry too much whilst you're in a certain um quest to be a professional sports person about what the, the sort of downside might be in the future trust yourself to to respond to that one thing that's always puzzled me about cricket i don't know what your reflections are how the english invented a sport that you can't play in the rain what do you make of that <laughs> it just baffles me yeah I, I, Ed, that is a question that I'm not going to be able to answer right. um, I thought you'd come up knowing you with one or two of these and uh, yeah don't know is the answer because <laughs> that, that, that might make because there's there's always the beautiful we talk about the sort of um, the idleness of the, the moments in cricket where you can get some creativity but the actual uncertainty around cricket always because in England you know people who've visited the country live here it can rain at any point on any day regardless of the season so there's always that tinge of uncertainty isn't there whether something's going to happen in cricket yeah it, it does upset me sometimes the amount of you know, it doesn't take much to stop a game of cricket you know sometimes a bit of bad light for those who, yeah. who don't know much about their cricket there is even if the light gets a bit gloomy, they kind of the cricketers wander off. And if it's if there's a little bit of drizzle, cricketers wander off. And I actually mm. think, well, you know, I, I don't understand sometimes. But I'm sure, we could stay out there a little bit more. You know, we have floodlights in cricket, yes. and yet wander off. And what? And sometimes the floodlights are on, and we still walk off a bad light because the artificial light takes over from the natural light, and apparently that means it's unsafe because we're playing a, with a, red a lighter ball. ball. A lighter ball in rain, maybe that wouldn't. Skip. Yeah, well, in bad light, certainly, you know, just 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 throw the pink ball in, mm. certain, and and we'll crack on. And if the light improves, we'll reintroduce the red ball. But oh no, we can't do that. That's not cricket. That's not the way things have been done. We'll hold on. Yeah. Look, at, look at the fact that no one's, you know, fewer people are watching. Look at the fact that our red ball side is not playing particularly well, and maybe think out the box a little bit. But actually, generally, getting on the park is a good thing entertaining people who have paid to come in the ground is a good thing and mm. we we have too many reasons for cricket being off the but don't get me wrong if it's stair rods you cover the cover the surface and you come off but a little bit of light drizzle or a bit of bad light i've never understood particularly when you've got floodlights why yep. are we not out of the way? I wonder, I wonder, yeah i just 
thought was maybe it's the anxiety over statistics that for players, you know, if you're out in bad lights, that goes on your average and things like that. Maybe. That's 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 a variable that is part of cricket. It's a bit like opening the batting on a green, damp surface. It's part and parcel of the game. You know, we'd love to walk in and it'd be a flat pitch and, you know, and then there's, there's no swinging conditions and the ball just comes in a straight line. That isn't often the lot of an opening batter. You know, so if you wander in later in the day and it's glorious sunshine and the ball's a bit softer and the bowlers are tired, well, make hay, lucky you. There might be times you walk in, there's a bit of bad light and they suddenly throw the pink ball into the equation and it does a bit. It's just another variable. Get on with the game. It's the same for everybody. Absolutely. I wonder if we should regress a little bit because I was reading John Major's history of cricket, which I found really interesting about hundreds of years about the underarm days and things like that. Maybe during rain, <laughs> you should go back to underarm bowling or something. It's a sort of, uh... Oh, good God. Yeah, yeah. I, well, yeah, maybe. But um, <laughs> no, I just, I just get us out there playing the same game, but just play. Yeah, it is the oldest organised sport in England, so it's a, it's a fascinating one. Folks, really appreciate your time. I know you've got, you got coaching to prepare for later, but brilliant <laughs> to have you on the podcast. I really appreciate it. No, thanks, Ed. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, really enjoyed Fault's insight there. It is that thing, isn't it, about being conscious of other people's kind of opinions, maybe, but trying to sharpen your mind to be in the moment and how important that is for all of our life. I know it's acutely important for a batter in cricket out there in the middle or any sport like that, baseball, where you get more goes at the bites of the cherry, don't you, in baseball with the various innings. Is it nine innings? Whereas in cricket, you have two. So it's a different, different ball game and you're participation meaningful participation can be last just a couple of minutes or it could last days if you stay out there in a, a long form cricket match of four days or five days at the international level you could play a significant winning role if you don't get out so you have to stay tuned in as faults were saying there sometimes you have to be humble enough to admit things are out of your control if it's a fantastic delivery from the bowler takes your your wicket or a pitcher, I suppose, in baseball, to continue that analogy. They do a fantastic three strikes, you're out kind of situation. So really cool to to speak to folks about that. Let me know what you thought. If you enjoyed the podcast, tell a friend, rate it on iTunes, review it wherever you are, a platform, Spotify, I think 10, 12 platforms now host the podcast Sport and Life, which I'm grateful for. It'd be great to have your, your feedback. And if not, just great to have you listening. Really appreciate it. And I hope you have a good rest of the week. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. B&O underscore Cheltenham on social media. Tell Jason Briggs and his team that you've listened to the podcast. Sure, I'd appreciate it. I appreciate their support. And if you are looking to optimize your immunity, remember with Cytoplan food-based supplement company, you get 30% off with a code from the podcast, on your first purchase and it's 10% thereafter and that code is Draper10R my last name D-R-A-P-E-R all capital letters the numerals 1-0 and the capital letter R Draper10R thanks for listening to the podcast hope you have a really good week if your kids are back to school you're back to work getting back in the groove of it as we are and uh, maybe a little bit nostalgic for that sunshine that we enjoyed in the Canary Islands but yeah looking forward to spring here in the UK as well and looking forward to some more interesting podcast conversations in the, the coming weeks of so Dr. Cheedy, I believe, next week, who's really interesting about uh, his insight into some medical matters of the day, healthy lifestyle, and caution about whether you've caught COVID or whether you've had the vaccine, just around a high-intensity exercise around that because of the possible effects on hearts. So a really interesting podcast with Dr. Cheedy next week. Uh, but in the meantime, have a great one. Bye for now. <laughs>